Welcome to Pot to Popular, a podcast where we interview the media, marketers, and moguls who are mainstreaming cannabis. Join along as we learn from the greatest minds in this industry and learn about how cannabis is becoming part of popular culture, health, wellness, and industry. Welcome to today's episode of Pot to Popular. I'm your host, Rosie Matteo. Today, we're joined by Sam Andres, Executive Vice President, Professional Services of Urban Grow. Sam is going to join us today and talk about the importance of consistency and quality as the cannabis industry continues to scale and why Urban Grow has set themselves apart from their competition. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Rosie. Thank you for having me here today. It's my pleasure. So um, first, I always like to kick off with give us, you know, the two minute elevator pitch. What is Urban Grow? So Urban Grow is a turnkey provider of solutions for the CEA industry and beyond. Uh, so as Urban Grow, we have under our umbrella um, professional services, which include architecture, interior design, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, and what we call integrated cultivation design, the design of all the systems. We have the ability to provide all of the equipment for the CEA industry, and we can also do construction under a design-build approach. I love it. Um, And you guys have really established yourselves as the leader in this. But I want to take actually a step back. So you joined the cannabis industry after leading instruction and architecture projects for over 20 years, um, you know, mainstream industry. What compelled you to actually make the transition into the cannabis space? And what key initiatives are you focused on at Urban Grill, given, you know, where you come from? Uh, Cool question. So, We opened in Georgia back in 2001, and when we opened, you know, my partners and I, we had this vision of growing to a national firm. From day one, we talked about it. And, you know, all of our kind of ideas centered back on finding an area of expertise, an industry or sector where work where we could bring the highest level of experience and knowledge. And you know, having that would help elevate us to that national level. In 2012, we opened the office in Colorado. In 2013, we worked on three cannabis projects. And, you know, I kind of saw that as, hey, this is that unexplored opportunity. And so uh, 2013 kind of took that back to, you know, my partners, we talked about, hey, you know, other firms are still shying away from this industry. And so it seemed like a great opportunity to get a jump start. You know, 2021, things had grown. We really made our name in the industry. We had worked with Urban Growth. And 2021 is when the acquisition happened. Um, we had previously worked with Urban Grow, uh in the development of probably five or six projects. And I would say what was appealing to me really about the acquisition was the opportunity to provide turnkey solutions, integrating that architecture, MEP, ICD, equipment, all under one roof. And and I've seen that, you know, ICD, when we got into cannabis, the, the cultivation systems was always kind of the sticking point in project development. And you'd get on a call in design and there'd be 
10 different people on the call, each representing a different aspect of cultivation systems. Now we have two. Our ICB team focuses on uh, the designs of the equipment that we provide, but also striving to develop those designs in a way where clients aren't locked in to just one or two options. Uh, and then, of course, we recently announced the addition of Emerald CM. So now we have that design build aspect and really taking that whole uh, turnkey delivery to the next level. Unbelievable. And I think you touched on this, but, you know, since you joined Urban Grow last year. I think you've led over 100 cultivation and 50 cultivation, maybe 100 cultivation or 50 cultivation projects. What have you seen so far? Like, what are the biggest logistical differences between like conventionally where you came from and the cannabis specific construction projects? That's a great question. I mean, when we entered the cannabis industry, I think architects were really seen as a means to an end. In other words, an architect was unnecessary to get a building permit, but beyond that, they didn't have much to offer. And I think as the industry evolved, uh, the experience of the architectural team really became more important than what it was back in the beginning. And uh, I think the reality is there's, you know, logistical challenges and complexities in most every sector of work that we work in. Um, and in that sense, cannabis is much like the other sectors where experience and knowledge can define the difference between success and failure. Within the cannabis industry, you know, some of the areas I would say that are critical, um, proper innovation, integration of the cultivation systems. Um, you know, the systems are complex and a failure to understand the complexities uh, and properly integrate them can lead to serious consequences for a project. I think that um, the complexity of the layout and understanding the functional flow while maintaining proper separation and operation spaces. And then I think that the, uh, the, one of the complexities that happens with every project is, is the concern over maximizing flower space. And so, you know, when you're designing the idea of how do you maximize that room that is your revenue stream while still kind of ensuring that other rooms are properly sized, so that you get the, the right flow of product through. You don't oversize some areas and undersize others, but rather you're creating a highly efficient flow uh, throughout the space. So, you know, um, those are some of the specific cannabis and logistical challenges. But again, I, you know, I think that a lot of the industries um, have the same common kind of needs and concerns where experience and knowledge within the industry is the difference between success and failure. Yeah, and to follow up on that, how does Urban Grow directly address these issues? So, you know, at Urban Grow, I think that really one of the things that, that you find is a, a really a highly experienced team. Like you said, when, you know, when we were acquired by Urban Grow, I think at that time we had about 80 facilities we had designed, and I think now we're at, um, right at about 130. The MEP team had about, um, I think, 
250 to 300 that they had been involved in. These facilities ranged in size from 2,500 square feet up to about 1.8 million. So, you know, from the client is really focusing on craft cannabis all the way up to big MSOs who are doing it, you know, more with mass production, automation. And I think, you know, Urban Grow is a team of, of professionals and team of individuals who have extensive experience in the industry. And, and really that to me is one of the most important keys to success because when we're talking with a client about their budget and about their schedule and we're throwing out ideas to, you know, kind of work within those parameters and get them to a finished product, we're suggesting ideas based on proven experience. We're not, you know, using that client to come up with an idea that hasn't been tested. Um, or if we, if we are exploring new ideas, it's based on the success of, the, of other things we've implemented in previous projects. Yeah. And, you know, to follow up on that, talking about costs, you know, of course, operating costs are always an issue, especially in the cultivation sector. So what steps, you know, can cultivators take to build high performance facilities while minimizing the capital expenditures? That, that's a great question as well. I think that one thing that, that early on happened within the industry is, is individuals didn't want to disclose the budgets that they were working with. They felt like if they gave you those numbers, that's, you know, the, the, you were going to spend it all. And I, I think now when we start a project, we talk to a client about what is your budget? What's your vision? What's your mission? What's your goals? You know, what are you trying to produce? Um, what is your, your performer look like? You know, what kind of revenue do you need to hit in order to, to make your performer work and, you know, within that, the budget and the schedule. And then, then the conversation becomes, well, how do we get there? And I think that as urban grow with the ability to fully provide turnkey solutions, we have the opportunity to go to a client, ask those questions, evaluate it and come back to them with options of how to get them there. We have the, the ability to price it out from the construction side to provide the equipment, to provide the full architectural MEP uh, professional services design and deliver to that client on their schedule and in their budget meeting their stipulated criteria. That's great. And, you know, also, as you know, to add on to that, consumer demand for cannabis products is consistently increasing across the country. And you guys are really helping, um, cannabis companies scale like in a um, in a consistent way. So how can cultivators in both established and emerging markets better prepare the facilities to scare their capabilities? You know, one of the biggest issues is, you know, as a state to state industry, how do you maintain consistency across retailers, across products? How do you guys address that? I, I think that, you know, retail demand is, is something that you know, we all have to be looking at. I think one of the greatest challenges in the industry is designing facilities for flexibility. And, you know, if um, let's say an operator is thinking that they, they have a limited budget, that they're going to start with a certain size building, but then they're going to grow down the road, develop a master plan, look at how you're going to reach that growth 
and in a way that you're able to add on to your building and expand your operations uh, without impacting your current operational facilities. So planned growth is is extremely important. And then equally important is, is planning for flexibility in cultivation methodologies and flexibility in the design of the facility. Um, what I mean by that is that, you know, if, if you're looking at designing a facility and you're going to do, you know, drip irrigation and do a certain plant spacing, well, is that plant spacing designed in a way that, that gives you enough flexibility that you can change that methodology down the road, do a different spacing without drastically impacting your operations. So, you know, just kind of um, working with clients to explore those opportunities. How do they, how do they increase yields? How do they change methodologies? How do they grow their facilities in ways that, that are thought out and planned on the front end? Uh, yeah, that is great. I mean, and it's such a value to these companies as they're trying to figure it out. And I want to just shift gears a little bit because um, we're really, you know, impressed by some of the works you guys are doing, you know, the outside the typical, you know, hours of business. Your team recently opened an indoor farm in Denver in partnership with Teens for Food Justice to bring healthy food and educational resources to underrepresented communities, which is just so amazing. Why is this an important initiative for Urban Grow? What kind of conversations or change do you hope this project will prompt? Um, yeah, that's another great question. I can only speak kind of from my perspective on this, but, you know, Teens for Food Justice, a nonprofit out in New York, um, they've, you know, it's, it's a model that is kind of, uh, it's a national model now that they're doing um, for Urban Grow. It's an opportunity to get involved with a very exciting program that aligns with our focus which is the CEA industry. Um, the kids in the program, they learn about cultivation, how food is grown, they learn a trade, but there's more to it than that. It's more than just growing plants. They learn about other nonprofit organizations that they support um, and the ones that are dedicated to helping feed the hungry. They learn about how food is transported, how it's distributed and how it's accessed. And they learn about things such as the environment, land use, cultural integrity, and social justice. Um, those are all values that we as Urban Growth share. And, you know, at the same time, at our core, we're a CEA turnkey solutions provider. So, you know, to integrate with Teens for Food Justice, who has these values that align with ours, um, and then to, you know, we're talking about the youth, our future is our youth, and these are educational values that define our future. Yeah. And also, I did want to actually take a step back. We didn't really touch on this. Um, you mentioned a little early on about, you know, CEA. You know, why does Urban Grow um, only offer services to build CEA agriculture facilities? Um, and just a little bit more about how these facilities can provide Canada's companies with a competitive advantage. And then just as a follow up, you can answer these together. You know, you guys, you mentioned the acquisition of Emerald Construction Management. Help me understand, like, what stood out about that, you know, when um, Urban Grow made the acquisition. Why do you think it, you know, you came from there? Why do you think you guys stood out to them? Okay, um, multi-level. So, um, 
In actuality, Urban Growth serves an extremely wide array of business sectors. On the professional service side, our architecture and MEP teams, we work in hospitality, higher education, K-12, medical, retail, multifamily, commercial, all of that, you know, experience and in development of those projects became kind of the formula for how we develop projects when we got into the CEA industry. As Urban Grow, they, the turnkey solutions integrate the ICDs, so the integrated cultivation design, the equipment delivery, commissioning. And so that's where really we become this one-stop shop for clients in the CEA industry based on their needs. With the acquisition of Emerald, Emerald was like this, this natural selection um, in that when we started looking at, hey, we want to we continue to grow. They say, if you aren't growing, you're dying, right? So for us, it's always looking to the future. What more can we do as a company to better serve the industries we're in? With the CEA, in the acquisition of Emerald, it was the opportunity to really take that turnkey to the next level, to be able not just to design, not just provide the equipment, but to do the full build-out. Emerald was a company that, that we, 2WR, MJ12, had about a five, six-year relationship working together. We had done quite a number of design-build projects with Emerald in the cannabis industry, manufacturing uh, in medical industries. And so it, was, it wasn't like we were bringing in somebody we, we didn't know and we were going to have to kind of go through that dating, figuring each other out phase. We had very successful relationship that we were building on. Um, so that acquisition completes really the whole turnkey service offering. Uh, and now we have that ability to collaboratively work with clients to fully deliver on their visions. That is so great. Um, yeah. And so, and as the cannabis industry matures and expands, how do you think cultivation demands will change? Right. And uh, I know that's how you guys have been part of the acquisition was part of that. And how does your team prepare for these potential developments? Um, yeah, you, you've got great questions. Um I think really, it's, to me, it's a very exciting time. Uh, you know, cannabis industries, is, to me, it was rejuvenating. It's this new industry and new technologies, and um, the technologies are coming out every day. And one of the challenges ties directly to new technologies. How do you kind of look at, you know, the five new ones that stick, that, that come out every day, and then, it, you know, weed them out one out of five really sticks so um you know just digging into that in itself is a a challenge and i think that you know when you look at like led lighting to me is a great example eight years ago people weren't using led lighting everybody was you know doing the ceramic metal halide or high pressure sodium that was kind of the thing and and LED technology wasn't there. Today, LED with, you know, advancements and spectrums, intensity, dimming, things like that. I mean, LED is a preferred 
lighting system. So you see all these things in the industry that are changing. I think that we try and stay um, ahead of the game in terms of looking at the the what ifs. I, I think one of the biggest what ifs right now is federal legalization. It, it gets bounced around. I think, you know, the House this year passed measures to try and do federal legalization. And, you know, to me, it's an ongoing discussion. When it occurs, um, it's going to play a role in the industry changes. And I think, like, one major consideration is, is CGMP, good manufacturing practices. And when you look at anything currently developed for human consumption, it's regulated by the FDA. Cannabis is, is exempt because the FDA is a federal agency, once cannabis becomes legal and the FDA now becomes involved, they're going to have the same requirements on cannabis facilities they have on any other company that is producing for human consumption. So CGMP standards, um, they, they will become a thing for the cannabis industry when federal legalization happens. And what that means, it's a CGMP, good manufacturing practice. It's the integration of design, SOPs, standard operating procedures and record keeping, training, things like that, materials that are utilized, systems that are utilized. Um, operators who consider CGMP standards part of their design process now and, and their Operating procedures will be ahead of the game when federal legalization occurs. So we think about things like that. Um, we also talk about the difference between, you know, your large MSOs and and your smaller kind of craft cannabis companies. And when I think about that, I I think about walking into the to the local liquor store and. They have the big back of house cooler now. You used to walk in and they just have a, a beer rack. Now they've got a whole cooler that's dedicated to the larger kind of MSO, the Budweiser, Coors, Michelob producers. And then you have your craft brewers, right? You got your night shift, brew dog, or uh, New Belgium. And I think that, you know, we'll see the cannabis industry, in my opinion be much like that that beer industry. I mean, I see the same things. I think that's what people are thinking about it also. And as a follow-up, as a final question, what's next for Urban Grow this year? And what opportunities excite you the most? It just keeps getting better. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I love think it. that we've expanded, for Urban Grow, we've expanded our professional services operations and, and on the construction side, the construction division, in Massachusetts, we've had additional professional service staff and uh, construction staff. We have hired an architect in Clearwater, Florida, which gives us boots on the ground in Florida. Um, our CEA and non-CEA industries continue to experience exceptional growth. Um, our Georgia office working on a children's hospital, some higher education work, K through 12, along with commercial and retail. Um, our interiors team is expanding based on our, our work in, uh, uh, with the dispensaries and branding. We've got an incredible interiors team. So, you know, 
And then the, the, the really the addition of Emerald, it opens, you know, all new doors. And, and um, to me, I, I think like one of the most exciting opportunities is really to go to a client and say, you know, what, it, what are your goals? What's a mission? What's a vision? How do you want to cultivate? What's your budget? What's your schedule? And develop a, a, a product that meets all of that criteria and deliver um, turnkey. That, to me, is just um, super exciting. It's, it's amazing to see where we've grown just in the last year. Uh, the the uh, opportunities are amazing. It's unbelievable. And we're so excited to see for the future of Urban Growth. So, Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you come back uh, with us next year and see how the, the year played out. I, uh, Rosie, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time this morning. I hope you have a great day. 